1: When you
2: think about wind and you think about water, you understand if you've ever been on the water, if you've ever navigated in a boat or in a boat uh, with someone who is navigating. That the wind is a very important factor. Every good uh, captain of a boat will understand that I need to check the wind before I go out. I need to know what the wind is going to do. There are many very sophisticated apps that you can get nowadays that tell you a little bit about uh, wind power. Actually a lot about wind and what it does to you and what direction it's coming from. And the impact, the, the gust, those kind of things that matter to a mariner and it's true in life that wind power is in your life as well in the form of another word that I want to use here because it's very much connected in the Bible with the word wind and that's the word spirit because actually the Hebrew word for wind is the same word that is translated spirit ruach is the Hebrew word as you see in the Old Testament and the Greek word used in the New Testament for spirit is the, word, uh, is the word pneuma, and that also means wind. It can be translated breath or wind. And so when the Bible speaks of, if you will, our wind power, it's talking about the spiritual power in our lives. And I think that all of us would say that we want and desire more spiritual power. Can you say amen then? I certainly do one of the most remarkable things that you see about Daniel, we began to talk about this together last week, is the fact that he had this, this incredible spirit about him. And because he had this incredible spirit, even as a young man, as he's transported and exiled from Jerusalem and to Babylon, his spirit is very, very evident, and God, and, and God greatly used him, and God grew him in incredible ways because he had the right spirit. We talked last weekend about this. Let me take you back to an example of this that we saw in Scripture in Daniel chapter 6 that describes his spirit. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Darius was now, by this time, uh, uh, Babylon had captured Jerusalem or Israel, Judah, and then Babylon had been destroyed by the Medes and the Persians, and Darius, Darius is a Persian king. So now Daniel is serving this Persian king. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one. And so as this this king of the Medes and the Persians comes in, his name is Darius, he says, I need to divide up my kingdom. I'm going to divide it in 120 sections, and then I'm going to find me three guys that will be over these 120 segments or governmental rulerships, if you will, and one of those was Daniel, three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel, this Daniel, distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because, and say it with me, and what did he have? An excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So you've got to understand here's this originally, this very young Jewish man that is brought into the Babylonian kingdom. He lives through serving various Babylonian kings and then the Medes and the Persians take over and now he's in the administration of the Persians at this point in time and he's appointed as one of the top three officials and then he does so well that the king says he's the guy that I need to place over everybody and give administration and responsibility to. And the Bible describes why Uh, Darius chose him. It was because he had an excellent spirit. This is something that promoted Daniel. It moved him forward in his life. And so what is highlighted about Daniel, not just here, but all throughout his life, is his spirit. It made him the go-to guy. Anytime there's a problem, a situation that needed to be solved, a dream that needed to be interpreted, uh, handwriting on the wall that someone needed to give an understanding of, who did they call? They called Daniel. He was a leader because he had the right spirit. Again, I want to emphasize that your spirit lifts you or your spirit limits you. Now, we talked last weekend about the fact or the reason why Daniel had this excellent spirit. He had the excellent spirit because he was filled with God's spirit, and the same is true for you and me. If we want to have an excellent spirit, we need the spirit of God to fill us. It's not our own spirit that moves us forward, but the spirit of God, and we talked about the importance of asking God to fill us and staying filled with the power of his spirit. You've got to determine to grow. You've got to refuse to be ordinary, and all those things were certainly evident in Daniel's life. But there's something else that I want to draw our attention to this weekend. It's just one element of Daniel's life that really made him excellent in spirit. I want to talk to you about the spirit of prayer that was in Daniel. He was a man of prayer. And the reason that he had an excellent spirit is he knew how to go to God in prayer. Let's continue on the story here in the same chapter, chapter 6. We'll pick up now with verse number 6. So you remember the first three verses? It's got him set up as the king's looking at him to set him over all the other satraps because he has an excellent spirit. Now notice what happens here. We're going to read a number of verses, so stay with me. I promise you we'll get to the points in just a moment, but these verses are extremely important to get the whole story. At this, that is when the king was deciding to make Daniel in charge of everyone, at this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, okay? And so now they're jealous of him. So they want to find something to put him down because the king is wanting to raise him up. But they were unable to do so. They could, not, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. There's a lot right there that we could talk about. He, wasn't, he was trustworthy and he was not corrupt, nor was he negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with what? The law of his God. So they said, hey, we, we can't find anything wrong with him. The only thing we can do is maybe find some technical aspect of how he worships compared to how we worship our gods. And so we're going to focus on that. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict "...and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God..." Here's their strategy. Everybody got it so far? They're going to get Daniel. They think they're going to get him this way. "...that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being... "...during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den." Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, here's a key, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Now, do you see what happened here? They're saying, hey, king, put the edict in place that nobody prays to you for the next 30 days, and if they don't obey this then they'll be thrown into the lion's den. The only reason they did this was, because, was, was for the purpose of trapping Daniel. So they knew this will get Daniel because Daniel will not obey this edict because Daniel will only pray to the one true God. Now let's see what happens after this. We're continuing with the story. I want you to get all of this together at the beginning of tonight's message. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. So they brought it back to the king. He says, got to do this. It's written in the law. The the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the the den and the king sealed sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles. So that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating or without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent. Yeah, isn't that great? I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty." The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. The very men... That thought we'll get Daniel, ended up being the victims of the plan they had against him. It's incredible to think about. What an amazing passage of Scripture. So what do we learn from this? We learn that Daniel's life was powered by prayer. I'm going to show you this in the next few moments. We'll go back to some of these verses that we just read and highlight this lesson. Prayer was the wind power that moved Daniel forward. Daniel, when it says he had an excellent spirit, part of his excellent spirit was that he had the spirit of prayer in his life. And if you and I are going to have the wind power that we need in life to sail through life, to make it against the tides and the currents that come our way, we too have to become, every one of us, we have to become people of prayer. So I'm going to give you extremely simple points tonight. Extremely simple. But just because something is simple doesn't mean it's not important. Correct? Sometimes the most important things in life are extremely simple. Don't run out into the street when there's traffic coming both ways. Pretty simple, right? But you know it's pretty important. Correct? It's not like a complex thing. And so many times we try to make spiritual things overly complex. They're not that complex. Sometimes they're simple things that we just simply need to learn and do and practice and understand. So three simple things done. Are you ready for these three? Here we go. They're right in the Bible. They point us to how to become a person of prayer and have wind power. Number one, you've got to see prayer. What's the first word here? See. You've got to see prayer as a privilege, not As an obligation. This is what will help you tremendously. Now, the word see here speaks of perspective. Perspective is how you view something, it's how you see something, it's the lens through which you view whatever you view in life. And perspective makes a big difference. There's a large difference in how people approach something depending upon their perspective. Okay? Your perspective changes not only your thoughts, but your emotions. If your perspective, if the way you view or think about prayer is that it's an obligation that Christians must or I ought to be doing. There's a key phrase there, I ought to be doing this. Well, yes, you ought, but that's, I want to get beyond that. What it does is it relegates prayer to a duty. It makes it something else like that you have to put on your to-do list. If you don't get those things checked off your list, what do you feel? You feel frustrated. Sometimes you might feel guilty. You feel all kind of different feelings because you didn't do the things that you felt like you were supposed to be doing. And so duties may get done, but generally they're not done joyfully. They get done, but not done joyfully. And so, if, you appro- if you're approaching prayer with a perspective that it's an obligation or a duty, you're going to complete- completely miss the heart of what prayer is all about. Prayer is not an obligation or a duty. Prayer is a privilege. Oh, my goodness, should we not see this? Prayer is... Is a privilege. Why? Because what is prayer? Think about it with me for a moment. What is prayer? Prayer is an audience with God. Think about that for a moment. Prayer is the opportunity to talk to the creator of the universe. And Jesus, as we're going to see, made the way for that to happen in our lives. And so it should be viewed not as something that I have to do. And get on my list. I'm going to feel guilty if I don't. No, prayer is a privilege. Let's walk through some verses together here. Take a look with me at these verses. I like to underscore these. Here's Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Here's, here's prayer. Call to me. That's prayer. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Does that sound like a privilege? God says, call to me and I will answer you. And and by the way, I'm going to tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Anybody need to know some unsearchable things, right? That's That's privilege, okay? Take a look at this next one, Hebrews. Chapter 4, verse 16. So let us come after he's talked about Jesus being our high priest. And by the way, the way you get to a relationship with God in prayer is through Jesus. You don't get there any other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. When we pray, the reason we pray in Jesus' name is not just a nice little tag that we put at the end of our prayer. It's a way that we remind ourselves that the only way I get to God is because Jesus made the way for me to get there I'm not holy enough to talk to God how about you I'm not good enough to talk to God. I have a lot of stuff in my life, as do you, that should keep me away from the presence of God and should, not, should never give me an audience with God. I have disqualified myself, as have you, as has, has everyone of the human race, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us, by right, can come into the presence of God, but Jesus made the way. So because he made the way, so let us come boldly, another word that you there. Actually, the Greek word is confidently to the throne of our gracious God. And notice the privilege. There we will receive His mercy and find grace to help us when we need it. Anybody saying that's a privilege, right? But I want to underscore again for you tonight, this weekend, is... Prayer is not an obligation. It is not a duty that you perform. It's not a Christian duty. It is a believer's privilege to talk to their God. Daniel lived by prayer. Daniel lived on prayer. It wasn't an obligation to him. It wasn't a duty. It was his privilege. The second simple truth, really simple, number two, Make prayer a consistent habit. Once you realize that prayer is a privilege, then you want to work it into your life habitually, okay? What you want to do in life, what we all want to do in life is build healthy habits, right? Right? You don't need to raise your hand on this, but how you're trying to eat healthier. Hopefully you, you think about that from time to time as you're invading the refrigerator and having a half gallon of ice cream. You think about, I should do better than this, right? I need some better habits, okay? Well, when you think of prayer as the privilege, and you also realize, I'm like, I need to make sure that this is a part of my life. And the problem with many people is the fact that they only pray when there's a problem. That's generally the problem, Okay? that something comes up and oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I guess I need to pray. Okay. Daniel, when you study his life, didn't pray only in times of difficulty or times of trouble. He lived a life of prayer. He was a praying man. Let's go back to verse number 10 of chapter 6 and notice what happens here. Now, when Daniel learned that the the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Remember, the decree was everybody's got to pray to the king. Okay. Uh, where the windows open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Notice this. What does it say? Just as he had done before. It wasn't like all of a sudden, well, I better start praying now. I got some lions about to get me. Okay. I better start praying now because I'm going to get thrown to the lion's den. I haven't talked to God in a while. Might be a good idea to have a conversation with him. No. That was not it at all. In fact, the crisis of the lion's den didn't force Daniel to pray. He already was a praying man. He was already praying. Prayer was the habit in Daniel's life. How wonderful it is whenever you and I have gotten to that place in life where we're not just praying to deal with an immediate crisis, but there's a regular pattern of prayer in our life. Do you know why Daniel had so much favor and so much success in his life, so many opportunities and so many miracles? It was because he was always praying. It was the habit of his life. And you study especially the first six chapters of Daniel, as I mentioned before, he's always the go-to guy. Why is he the go-to guy? Because he was always, always prayed up. He was always, always ready. He was always prayed up. There was never a time that Daniel was having like a little deficit in his prayer life. He was ready to go. Whether it was good times or not so good times, he was ready to respond because he was always prayed up. He was a praying man. This was his wind power, his wind power. Notice what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6 because Jesus not only talked a lot about prayer, but he practices, practiced it, as, as we'll see in a moment as well. Here's part of his teaching on prayer. But when you when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So much there. There's one word I want you to see here. Okay. One word. That's that word right there. But. What's that word? When. It did not say but. If you pray, it said when you pray. So, what was the expectation of Jesus for his followers? Expectation wasn't that prayer was to be some unusual thing that we only do when times are difficult. No, Jesus was saying this needs to be the pattern of your life. Jesus practiced this himself. Look at this verse. Mark chapter one verse thirty-five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Where what did he do? Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. Who was Jesus? The Son of God, God incarnate. And here he is. Realizing, in fact, you study the life of Jesus. He said. You know, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I, I'm in complete submission to the Father, whatever the Father says I do, and I only say what the Father says, and the reason was because he had fellowship. He, he took the initiative to have fellowship with the Father. He made sure that that was a part of his ongoing interaction. even as Messiah, he, that was a part an ongoing part of his life. Paul reminded us of this as well. Look at what Paul says three words what are they never anybody looked up that word recently i think it means not ever as far as i know don't ever stop don't let it become something that becomes absent from your life never stop praying another translation says pray without ceasing think with me for a moment as i think as well what What wind power could be added to the sails of your life? What wind power could be added to the sails of your family, of your business, of your education, whatever ministry you might be involved in, if your prayer life became more continual and more consistent? Think about the wind power that could be added to your life, to your family, to your business, to whatever it is that you're engaged in. If you had this consistent continual attitude and lifestyle of prayer, realizing it's not an obligation. What is it? It is a privilege.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life Now if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the Teaching Ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shields, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org.